John Decker, our own White House correspondent, joining us on this Wednesday morning. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning to you, Jack. Hope you're doing well today. Yes, thank you. What are you keying on? Plenty to talk about. Well, yes, there is. Uh, let's first talk about that meeting that happened yesterday at the White House involving President Biden and congressional leaders. Uh, no agreement to avoid a government shutdown just yet, but the House Speaker, Mike Johnson, expressing some optimism that we can avoid that uh, coming up midnight, March the 1st, two days from now. Uh, and then there's another deadline, March the 8th. That's when the entire government would shut down if there's no agreement to fund the government for the rest of this fiscal year. I don't know if I've seen a time, because it seems to be just getting worse, um, where you just have more divisions, more lanes, more people digging in. And, and and frankly, not just with the House and the sort of the more conservative caucus stuff, but, but really all aspects. It just seems that the, I was just say, the, the friendliness tone in D.C. across the aisle seems to be evaporating pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think it's been present for a while, uh, but it's even more pronounced during election years, and uh, that, that's what we're in right now. Uh, we'll see if they can avoid uh, what I think a lot of members want to avoid. You don't want to be dealing with this funding issue uh, as we get closer and closer to November. We've never seen a situation like this before uh, in an election year. Typically what happens, they strike a deal so they can concentrate on all the other issues that are before them, and it allows members uh, in the House to campaign for their seats. They don't want to be dealing with this particular issue August, September, October of this year, right before the November presidential election. Yeah, and typically these things sort of spilled one way or the other, but I, I think now that the, the blame and the, how people view Washington, including Democrats, I mean, all, everyone, Republicans, it just seems that most people are looking at this going, this, what, a, what a dysfunctional body. Well, that's right. And, you know, Republicans control the House of Representatives, uh, Mike Johnson, well aware of that, well aware of the dysfunction that people view the House of Representatives right now and have, have viewed it uh, over the course of the past few months with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy being deposed uh, by his own members, uh, you know, yeah. just a few months ago. And Mike Johnson concerned, I think, always about that happening to him as well with that very narrow majority that Republicans have in the House of Representatives. Yeah, all this is uh, more than likely, it seems. Thank you, John Decker, our own White House correspondent. Thank you, John. Neil Levesque, St. Hansom College Institute of Politics. What, would you give a good speech this morning? <laughs> you know, you never know. Well, how did it go? <laughs> well, you know, we're just, we have different groups that come into the Institute of Politics and try to welcome them. And uh, there's a group here that meets every other Wednesday. And so we uh, talked to them this morning. But there's certainly, even though, you know, the New Hampshire primary is over, we still have a lot to talk about in the presidential election. Uh, you know, the writing's on the wall for someone like Nikki Haley um, that it's a tough path forward if there is any way forward. Um, and the results in, in Michigan certainly show that. Yeah, I mean... We had Governor Sununu on yesterday. He said a lot of people haven't voted yet, meaning Super Tuesday. That's why she should stay in there versus, you know, a different answer might have been crazy world. You never know. A lot of things can happen between now and the conventions or, you know, the actual wrapping up the nomination. But how long does she stay in? Well, you know, again, this is all about the fuel that it takes to run a campaign. So if you're going to fly to any Super Tuesday state, you've got, you got your crew, you've got yourself, you've got all the different things, all the different costs associated with an event. I mean, 
forget the television ads or the web ads or the radio ads. There's a certain amount of money that it takes to operate, and you've got to have donors that are going to give you that money to continue on in this race. And a lot of the times they don't, you know, if if Trump is winning like he did yesterday, you know, a 68 number to her, I think, 27 uh, in Michigan, that's a tough place to go when you go to meet with donors and say, can you give me your last 100 bucks uh, so I can keep this campaign up? And, of course, everything is a force multiplier. So every primary, it, it, the news is all about how can we, uh, you know, when is she going to drop out? And when you're showing up at an event to raise money and the news story is on every single station, how long is she going to stay in? When is she dropping out? It, it just makes life even tougher. You know, Neil, when we broadcast during the primary at your great institute, one of the things I love about your institute, it's kind of the museum of presidential politics in New Hampshire, first in the nation presidential primary state where we've had such a high participation rate over the decades. And when you look at history and you go down the halls at your institute, there might be a shot of Jimmy Carter from way back or Bill Clinton or a John McCain or a George W. Bush. And you look at all the history that's rolled through New Hampshire. So you study this, you look at this, and a lot of academics is looking back, not to the future, but we look back to learn. I know it's early for next fall. But it looks like absolutely it's Biden and Trump. Here we go again. We don't know where anything will be. Let's assume the economy is about where it is today. We don't know what's going on in the world, but we know the divisions. We know Trump's got his support. We know a lot of independents may not like Trump. And here we go again. It's sort of it feels like a toss up. Do you have any sense historically? I'm not saying you to predict the Super Bowl now for next November, but if you had to say today. And this is the hypothetical maybe you could answer. Forget who you like, forget who you support or would support, because you're right, you know, you're, you're, you call balls and strikes down the middle. But if you, if you were going to be kind of the head coach of Trump or Biden's team and you wanted to win, which car would you pick? And not, not on what you want, but which one do you think has got a better chance to winning the Super Bowl in terms of the election? Because here we go again, it's a replay, it's a rematch. Well, if you look at the data right now, we I think we're unprecedented in, in modern politics as far as the fact that there are people who are not going to vote uh, for either one of these folks. So in the Republican Party, you may see some of those 27 percent that voted against Trump yesterday voted for her, uh, never going to vote for Trump in a general election. And you may see that with Biden, too, where people say he's too old and I'm never going to vote for him. That's kind of unprecedented. I think that if you look at the the numbers right now amongst uh, these border states, five of six, Trump wins handily. And what I mean handily outside the margin of error in a modern political period, that's important. The The question here is what role does things like abortion play mm-hmm. in individual states where I think it's a motivating factor for Democrats? Mm-hmm. And second of all, what uh, is the immigration situation? Immigration is – the way we ask it in polling is – uh, what's your top issue? And we ask about immigration. But immigration right now for voters isn't necessarily about immigration. It's about the rule of law, crime, to some degree, drugs. And so uh, there's there's other factors here, and it seems to be a, a, the issue right now that's motivating voters. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be one that's going to be 
very much alive. I don't know on the economy. I think it's going to be a mixed bag. I think a lot of people, I think they're going to look at the world. The other thing you and I haven't talked about is foreign policy usually doesn't automatically impact domestic presidential election. But when you look at the uncertainty of the Middle East, when you look at what's going on still in the Ukraine, Putin, China, I think a lot of people are a little bit worried about out there. And we'll see. We'll see. But the other thing, Neil, isn't it amazing? As well-defined as Biden, I mean, who doesn't know Joe Biden by now, right? Am I right? And who doesn't know Trump by now? It's amazing. You have probably the two more known players we've ever seen running for president again. I mean, there's no mystery. You know, if there was another person in there, say Trump had tripped up, didn't run, say a DeSantis was in there, or Nikki Haley, a lot of people don't know these people that well yet, right? Joe Biden's been around 50-plus years. Everyone knows him, right? That's why I think he was put in there the last time. And everyone knows Trump. It's amazing the definition on these two characters running for president. Yeah, it's like being married for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. You don't all of a sudden say, hey, when would you get that tattoo? You know, <laughs> it's okay. you know these, these candidates are known to everybody. They know their flaws. They know. And so, you know, the problem here is, is running a 30-second ad really doesn't move voters because they're like, well, we know who this person is. Yeah. We know where they stand. We know what their record is. And, you know, and the hard thing is New Hampshire because New Hampshire doesn't have that many, but they might have precious electoral college vote, votes in this whole thing in the general. And I was talking to someone yesterday, someone you and I know, but I won't say here. And, you know, good good mind, very good mind in this stuff. And when you're talking about whoever the Democrat nominee for governor is going to be, presumably Joyce Craig or Cindy Warmington, and he, it seems that even Senator Hassan and Senator Shaheen camps are split on those two. And whether it's presumably on the Republican side, Kelly Ayotte or Chuck Morse, Whoever is, are the nominees, one of the, per, one of the person I talked yesterday said, you know, because you know the Democrats will make abortion an issue, even if it's not a legitimate one beyond the current law here in New Hampshire, but they'll make it an issue uh, in terms of abortion bans. But whoever the nominees are, the person said it's really hard to predict who the, who's got a leg up in the governor's race because it's all going to depend on Biden and Trump and who's sort of swaying better here in New Hampshire when you go into the presidential general election. I disagree somewhat with that in the fact that if you look at, like, Governor Kemp in Georgia, uh, you know, he seemed to do well despite the fact that, um, you know, with, with his current – with his situation with Donald Trump, I think that there are going to be local issues that move voters. One of those issues is going to be abortion, and you're going to see that uh, abortion is going to be a, a, a top issue here, even though, you know, um, Sununu is a, a pro-choice governor and – um, and other factors here, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of movement on it necessarily in the state legislature, but it's going to be an issue here, and it's going to be an issue because it's a great way to say they're for this, we're for this, uh, be with us. And and I think you're going to find immigration to be the same thing. And it's really a developing issue, I think. It's a really fascinating issue. Yeah. It's hard to say, it really is, and because, you know, the presump- the, I, I think the other thing is <clears> – <throat> The models last time that I think were, I think the real playbook that was never published was after New Hampshire, where Biden did so badly, turned it around in South Carolina. The powers to be behind the scenes, whoever that was, because remember, Biden was not an incumbent president. He was, he was a vice president, but he wasn't, he hadn't been president yet. Get behind Joe Biden. He can win the general. He can beat Trump in a general with independent voters. That was four years ago. Today, you look at these polls, I don't think you can say that same assumption holds because independents may not like Trump personally, 
They may not like what he says sometimes. They may not like how he acts. But they're looking at the two saying, I care about my wallet, my 401K. I care about the world. I care about my kid's future. I care about the border. If those prevailing winds are there, Trump may do better than people think with independents, even if they don't admit they voted for him. You try and tell independents and Democrats that Joe Biden is the future. He's got a new new plan. He's 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 got a record now. He's got a fresh record looking at immigration, uh, the world and a lot of things, plus all the forgetfulness. And I think the independents, you can't assume that they're going to vote against Trump on, in, in large numbers this time. I may be wrong. And you're right. And those it's what have you done for me lately? And then when when Biden was coming in, it was, well, he's not. All this chaos in January 6th, and, well, of course, January 6th hadn't happened, but all the chaos associated with Trump, we're going to be done with that. But now he's got his own record. And his biggest issue, I think, is age and his ability to communicate. He's never been a good communicator. It's why he did so poorly in states like New Hampshire, where you have to actually communicate to voters. And he's always tried to turn it around. The White House will say, well, he's going to go on the road. He's going to communicate his message, and his numbers drop. And he's the president of the United States. He's one. Uh, it's a lot more than, than can be said for a lot of other people. However, his ability to communicate is not good. I think we can all say that. And so turning this around and you add the age factor in, which everyone is watching, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily good for him. And they may choose the lesser of two evils, which they say, well, at least during the Trump administration, you fill in the gap on the issue. This was good. And yeah. and and so that's where voters may be, particularly independents. Yeah, Neil, before I let you go, you have led and organized many presidential debates at St. Anselm and done a super, super job. I know the last time, and it wasn't the colleges, it was just basically the whole Republican reality, when Nikki Haley said when it was getting to be a two-person race, <clears throat> if Trump doesn't debate, and Trump hasn't done any debates this time. But in the presidential presuming that it looks like it is going to be Trump and Biden, Biden, Trump again. Can you picture, and I'm being totally serious, downstream, whenever it would be, I presumably, you know, whenever they would do one or two presidential debates, can you picture, I can picture Trump debating if he can contain himself, but can you picture Joe Biden now for 90 minutes doing a debate and being crisp and sharp and clearly communicating? I mean, I'm asking a question because I've watched him do like five-minute pressers or try to, can, and I listened to him the other night, some of the audio with Seth Myers. Can you imagine a real presidential debate between these two, or do you think that you think it will happen? Well, I think it would be to Trump's advantage to debate. I think that to defend Joe Biden, I would say that his last day of the union, which was obviously a year ago because we're up against the yep. next one here, uh, he did really well for that extended period of time, and he had a lot of energy, and he, he was good. So to defend him on that, but I think that the Trump – crew has already indicated that the commission on presidential debates is biased in their opinion and therefore they don't want to participate i think that would be a mistake uh if trump does become the nominee of the party to not debate joe biden interesting yeah all right neil make it a good one on this wednesday i appreciate it. neil vex san Antonio institute of politics Thank you, Jack. matthew bartlett darby field advisors principal one of our great partners and sponsors and political analysts and all-stars good morning matthew Hey, Jack. Good morning. Good morning, New Hampshire. How are you? Doing okay, even though I know you're in sunny Florida. Yeah. Left uh, left Washington, D.C., Sin City. It is crazy there. We don't know what we're going to do. Are we going to keep the lights on? Are we going to turn them off? We got 
Ugh. State of the Union. We got the border. We got Ukraine. Nuts. So I came down here, shot down to the Keys, landed Jimmy Buffett, sunshine, <laughs> sea air, palm trees, martinis. No cigars. No cigars for you, though. And, of course, I found the, uh, a place where you can smoke, and I lit up and turned on Jack Heath like I do every morning. Matthew, I want to talk about the, keeping the lights on. I, a lot of people, there's so much noise right now. The primaries, Biden, Trump, Ukraine, you know, just there's noise all around us. And yet I'm looking at the battle lines that might be drawn now behind the scenes. Hunter Biden now appearing behind closed doors. But let's talk about the go- looming government shutdown. This could be, this time around, we could see disruption more than the last year. Am I right or wrong? Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, it's like the movie Groundhog Day, right? Like, it's the same thing. We do this every couple of months. Um, after my party, full disclosure, I'm a Republican, former Trump appointee, we decided to, um, you know, execute our own speaker. Not sure what good that did. We're now busting through spending caps. And we now have a, 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 a Bible Belt preacher um, you know, whose plan for, for uh, getting through the government shutdown as well as winning elections is Jesus take the wheel. Um, so that, that's going to make it interesting. Um, you know, he did a meeting yesterday where they all came out and he said, I'm committed to not shutting down the government. And now this morning he's saying, well, listen, here are my terms. Otherwise, we shut down the government. Uh, Speaker Johnson has kind of painted himself into a corner yet again. Again, my party, Ken McCarthy, said, I'm going to do a CR, and we said that's the last thing you're going to do then. See you later, take a hike. And it looks as if uh, Speaker Johnson is now floating yet again another CR, which he would do with Democrats, or we do something of a laddered shutdown. Now, there could be one on Friday and on the 8th, right after Joe Biden's State of the Union. He is now proposing instead the 8th and the 12th. So it's all unclear. It's all very murky. There are some very hardliners um, in, in my party, um, which I tend to agree with on principle, um, yeah, we need less spending. How do we get there? Um, and I'm just not sure putting a gun to our own head is the best uh, strategic plan. Is there a chance that you could see a test of um, Johnson's speakership? Uh, yes. This guy is on thin ice from day one, and I think the honeymoon is over. Um, it is unclear what he does. He's had to you know, go back on his own um, statements time and time again. Um, and the question is, you know, what are you going to do? Um, we, we, we have very big challenges, whether it is um, the appropriations and, and the regular funding of our own country, as well as Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. Um, we live in a very dangerous and disruptive world. Um, you know, these are, these are very hard, difficult decisions, and it's so much easier when you are not in power, because then you get the gavel, and uh, the gavel is a blunt force hammer of reality, sometimes to your own head. Um, so we will find out what happens. Of course, we're cheering ultimately for our country, uh, for cooler heads, for better angels, um, and hopefully less spending, too. Um, you know, we should be able to, to sort this out here. Let's remember, it wasn't too long ago where, where Trump was president. We had a Republican House and, and, and Senate, and we can get less spending. Um, so now we're in the minority. We have a divided caucus in a divided government. Um, and, yeah, these are the challenges. Matthew Bart with Darby Field Advisors. You're pretty good uh, at analyzing the media stuff as well. Um, give me a preview of how the national media is going to cover sort of dueling banjos tomorrow on the border. President Biden going to Brownsville uh, with the border crisis and immigration and illegal immigration becoming a crisis. And it has been, by the way. And Trump going to the border as well. Same day. 
what are the headlines? What are the stories going to be? <laughs> I mean, we, it hasn't happened yet, but we already know what's going to be said. Fox News is going to cover this um, like it is the biggest crisis we've had. Um, CNN is going to say, look at Joe Biden, no matter what he does, look at the leadership. And he's using political jujitsu and trying to outmaneuver Republicans on an issue that they have. I don't think anybody's going to believe that. Most people are going to say this is a mess. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, but it just goes to, you know, it speaks to how we have, forget two different parties, almost two different species right now um, in our country, um, including our media. Um, you know, uh, you can scream bloody murder and say, oh, my gosh, these are the biggest issues on one side. Same other side is going to do the same thing on whether it's abortion, IVF. Um, you know, we've heard um, here on our own show from Dr. Vic to Doug Tendon uh, uh, that the economy is improving. Hey, forget the incession, for, uh, recession, forget soft landing. We could be up, you know, brighter days ahead. Um, yet there's still economic angst. So it's such a weird time. And you look at uh, the pre- it's reflected in the presidential. I and mean, if you look at these results last night, mm-hmm. um, Donald Trump continues to get. Can you imagine if Joe Biden was only getting 70 percent of the vote as the incumbent president um, or 60 percent versus a challenger at 40? It would be cause for a resignation. Donald Trump continues to pound away. But there's a lot of worry um, as Neil Levesque just laid it right out. What a, what a gem he is. What a true, great uh, granite state mind um, gets 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 the left and the right, um, both cerebral um sides of the brain as well as the parties um you know you have two very compelling narratives that there's no way this guy can win whether it's trump or biden yet somebody's going to have to win um i'm not sure anything will happen that will change people's minds i think minds are made up we're just gonna have to wait till november to find out what it is and i don't know if joe biden blows it out of the water and wins all these states i don't know if it's very close and joe biden wins i don't know if it's very close and trump wins i don't know if, if trump blows it out of the water and wins Michigan, Minnesota, all of the swing states. It's a very, very weird, disruptive time. You know, we no one's talking at all about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running as an independent. Is he going to have the ability to get on some key state ballots to have some degree of impact here or not? I mean, you always ask the right questions, Jack. Uh, this morning, he apparently, his super PAC announced that they have made the ballot in Arizona and in Georgia. Now, there's also been reporting how he is trying to get on the ballot nationally as a Libertarian uh, Party nominee. Here's the thing. Libertarians don't like him. Libertarians say, you're, you know, you're not a Libertarian. And they tend to be very ideologically pure. Um, conversely, there seems to be much more excitement about Robert F. Kennedy on the Republican side, in my opinion. I've never met a Democrat who is genuinely excited about Robert F. Kennedy. I have heard some but, DeSantis folks in New Hampshire that are saying, you know what, what, what Trump did with COVID is unforgivable. I'm going RFK. Right. It's but, very interesting how that cookie crumbled. But in a general, it's not Democrat, Republican. It's, it's those independents. And, well, listen, it, it is disaffected Dems and disaffected Republicans. Yeah, but those independents, that, yeah, those independents are going to be, they decide elections in generals here and nationally, I, I've noticed. In the, the, the largest voting bloc or party is not Democrat, Republicans, independents. And, and there are a lot of Dems that are looking for another choice, and you flash the name Kennedy in front of them, and he becomes very, very appealing. Or, Maybe they don't know anything about him. Or something that we haven't seen, and we just saw this a little bit in Michigan on the Democrat side, uh, with a lot of Arab voters who are residents there voting, uh, sending a protest message to Joe Biden over his policies uh, in Gaza as it pertains to Israel and Hamas for whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into the merits of that, but I think there was almost 100,000 
sort of no contest, like protest votes uh, from Democrats yesterday in Michigan. This could be an election coming up where, if you look at the national polls, Matthew Barr, where 75, 76 percent of all voters don't like the, the choice of Biden, Trump again. They could do a protest vote if people are not disenfranchised or not vote at all. And that throws, exactly. and that, that, to me, could help Trump because his base doesn't move. It's like cement. So if there's evaporation of protest or dissatisfaction, it could help the incumbent. I mean, hurt the, it hurt, could hurt the incumbent more than the challenger here, in my opinion. A hundred percent. You nailed it. Um, we have, you know, there, there could be apathy. Joe Biden could be the strongest. Uh, he ever was, you know, uh, coming into his presidency. It's only been downhill. You know, he had an amazing coalition that looks like it's fracturing, maybe left, maybe right. Um, but then we also have, you know, Roe v. Wade. We thought there was going to be a massive red wave in 2022. And we right. saw, guess what? Some of our policies uh, may not be germane for winning statewide or national elections. Right. And now we have the IVF uh, mess. Um, where, where, where Alabama, which should the entire state should be an in-kind donation, um, you know, to, to Democrats, came out and said IVF is now uh, abortion and is murder. Mm-hmm. And every Republican across the country is now hopefully coming out after Nikki Haley kind of stubbed her toe on it, led by President Trump saying, no, 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 let's pump the brakes here. Um, you know, discarded yeah. embryos are not going to be called murder. Yeah. Um, so it's a very weird time, very sure. weird cycle. Um, hang on tight. You mentioned the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade. Hey, did we ever get to the bottom of who leaked that memo? Oh, I'm kidding. Sorry, just a joke. <laughs> Always asking the good questions. I know in a town where where everybody leaks more than the Iraqi Navy, boy, that one was kept under wraps. Yeah, and what no, no it? one. Yeah, just go ahead and leak a memo from a sitting justice on a major decision. Unbelievable, no consequences. All right, thank you, Matthew. All right. Matthew Bartlett, Darby Field Advisors. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio, national correspondent on, a Wednesday, correspondent on a Wednesday. Good morning, Rory. What do you have for us? Jack, good morning. Yeah, still digesting the numbers that came in from Michigan yesterday. And some interesting notes that some of the fundraising emails that Nikki Haley's campaign is still sending out don't include the word Republican. Uh, and there's some growing speculation that perhaps she might move to a no-labels kind of campaign and not drop out of this thing. But, again, money is going to be the big question. She lost by 42 points yesterday. Uh, the prospects for Super Tuesday next Tuesday look grim, but uh, she says that she's not dropping out before then. Yeah, and it seems that, you know, there's still that window, but I think it's tightening because I one of our earlier guests talked about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as an independent trying to get on more ballots, maybe even flirting with a libertarian status to get on more, but... No labels. Chris Christie sort of flirted with it with Nikki Haley. No love lost between her and Trump. But do they have their act together to get, you know, a no labels candidate in enough states on enough ballots? And it's really hard. And that's why the major two parties, the system kind of makes it very difficult to run outside that system. And Marianne Williamson announcing this morning she is unsuspending her Democratic campaign. So she's getting back into it against Joe Biden after she finished above Dean Phillips in Michigan yesterday. All right. Thank you, Rory. Interesting. Thank you, Rory O'Neill. Thanks,